Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ruminations of Red Room. I'm your host, Kyle, with a K. My God. Today, we have joining us the paranormal one, the ghost of many things, uh, Ian, with two E's. Ian, how are you today? How's it going, Kyle? I'm, uh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine today. I'm in a good mood. Good mood. Okay. Yeah, good mood. That's good to hear. Are you sick? No, not sick. Not sick. Good mood. This episode's going uh, pretty good so far. Yeah. You got any weekly wrecks for us? The weekly wreck. I don't have any wrecks, to be honest. I guess just an update. I'm on volume 10 of Dora Hidoro. Haven't really read anything from that um, since the last week, but uh, I'm pretty much done with uh, Fire Emblem Engage. Uh, I would give it like a, like a C plus. A C plus for sure. It's uh, it only took thirty hours for it to get good, but um, you know what? The last six chapters have been uh, story wise have been really good, and and surprised me compared to the rest of the the game. But since you're a Fire Emblem fan, you have to be a completionist, so you had to finish this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you have have to add it to your library, even though the story was shit and like super anime and basic and whatever. Um, the gameplay is just it just keeps me in. So. Um, and the characters as well. I, I just love the the characters. Um, not too many memorable ones in this game. Not gonna lie, and I think it's the design of them. They're a little overdone, in my opinion, or for for my liking, I guess. So, what's next then? Like uh, after I finish this? Yeah. So, what's your next thing that you want to kind of uh, tackle? Whether it be literature, gaming, movies. Like, what's your next project? So after this, I will complete um, Doro Hidoro. That's going to be the immediate thing. And then after that, um, sky's the limit. I don't know. Sky is the limit. Also <laughs> joining us today, we have Mr. Fantastic himself, Brendan. Hey, Zeus. How you doing? Oi, governor. I'm back from the land across the sea, yeah? Well, that's true. We uh, have... This is the first time we're actually all on the same cast in a while. Yeah. You were... Um, sipping the queen's juices or whatever they say over there right uh, you were over in london i was i was talk to me about it uh london was uh <clears throat> it's basically like new york except everyone sounds like they're eating peanut butter constantly um it's it <laughs> london it was it was cool i liked it uh my favorite brewery in the world has a tap room uh, right around the corner from uh, Lucy's apartment. So I went there about nine times. I, I For the first time, I got to have my favorite beer in the world on tap. Um, never, it's called Elvis Juice by, uh, by Brewdog. Um, it's a grapefruit IPA. It, yeah. Oh, that, that's what I was going to ask. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, but th- dude, this was one of the coolest breweries I've ever been in. They had bowling. Uh, they had table tennis. They had a an actual um, fucking ice cream truck on the second floor, like a literal goddamn truck. Uh, and, I think they got there. Uh, Mary Poppins. I don't know. Um, and they also had a slide, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, so a bowling alley at a brewery. That yeah. sounds. Like some trouble, but super fun. Uh, so it was. It was actually a. It's duck pin bowling. So it's the one where where the bowling pins are on wires. Mm-hmm. So like you roll the ball, the pins you hit get get sucked up into the thing, and then like the pins you have left are the ones that are still down on the ground. Um, I did not know there was a name for that. Yes, duck pin bowling. Duck pin bowling. Where'd you learn that? Uh, there. Oh, oh okay. so it's your first time you've ever experienced this. First time ever doing duck pin bowling, yeah. Okay, because the way you were explaining it is like you've been doing it for years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys haven't heard duck pin bowling? And like the worst part about it is because it's attached to wires, the physics of the pins are off. So mm. you could get a perfect roll with backspin, hit the center pin, and three pins will fall over. Do um, you think it's easier or harder than... Uh, harder. Norm- so much harder. I, I'll say normal bowling, the American way. The real way. <laughs> the American way. There they call it hardball. Here we call it bowling. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think they have bought you there? No, they definitely do. They probably started there. Oh, it's pre- it's pretentious enough to be there. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, you got? Kyle? 
Do you got any? Hold on, wait, whoa, we're not oh, done with yet. Hey, Brennan, do you have any weekly wrecks? Yeah. Um. So the one thing I haven't pulled the trigger on yet, which I know is going to be my wreck next time we record, is Hogwarts Legacy. It's been in my cart for six days, and I haven't been able to pull the trigger. Why um, not? Is just, it just a money thing? Yeah, I I spent about four hundred dollars over my budget in London. Um. So you know, been eating ramen a lot. Um. But my recommendation this week is a new found footage film called The Outwaters. Um, I'm, I've been wanting to watch this, but it's only on Screenbox. Yeah, I, I, I pulled... Uh, so actually, uh, I was able to download the... Because I know you were having some issues. I was able to download the Screenbox app on my Roku. See, and Roku is the only thing that I know of right now that mm-hmm. you can download it on. Like, it's yeah. not on Apple TV. I don't think it's on an Apple TV. It's not on like any other. Like, because mm-hmm. my my LG is a smart TV. It has a fucking thousand apps, but of course, it doesn't have Screenbox. So yeah, it's kind of sucks. Uh, but it was uh pretty damn good. It looks cool, uh, dude. I I mean, I know that we're all here, pretty big fans of found footage. Uh. I I kind of hesitate to say this, but it's kind <laughs> of almost like if David Lynch made a found footage movie. Really? Like, like an unhinged David Lynch. Like peak... Um, um, I can't even think of what the most unhinged David Lynch movie is. Eraserhead? No. no. That movie sucks. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, it's just... it's. It's weird. It's very experimental and kind of with like the movie that we're discussing today. It's very analog horror, horror, liminal space kind of uh, driven. So I highly recommend it. Um, unfortunately, it is only on Screenbox. Um, but don't use our code for them. Screenbox. Uh, Put your app on other stuff and I'll subscribe. Yeah. Just yeah. let me have access to it and I'll subscribe. I'll give you my money. I just want to just I, get it off of just being off on, on, on Roku. Yeah, I, I already canceled my account because I only got it just to to watch that. And there there's not enough on there that isn't already on Shutter for me to want mm. to. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, I would subscribe for a month just to watch that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and for four ninety nine, it's about the price you would pay to rent it on yeah, exactly. On, yeah, something else. So, so cool. I haven't played or done anything because I've been in Houston, which is a interesting place. Um, I went to Houston to see my favorite podcast live. It's Last Stand's podcast. They do a podcast called Sacred Symbols. Question from Mister Fantastic. Uh, do they call it when when you were there? Did they call it Houston or do they call it Houston? Because I know that that's kind of a that's a debated topic. Well, I didn't. Uh, speak to too many Texans that were talking about Houston, so I didn't okay. really hear them use it in a sentence very often. Well, here in Houston. But I would imagine it was uh, Houston. Okay. But it's a little different than what I thought. It's way more south, so it's more like Louisiana than it is Texas. I was thinking like desert. Like I was, like I was expecting it to be like what I expected Arizona to be when I still lived in California, like a fucking wild west uh, fucking yeehaw kind of shit and it's nothing like that at all it's very industrial a lot of factories it's very fucking um uh not smoggy but uh there's a lot of uh pollution debris <laughs> air debris looks, dude houston looks like what escape from la kind of looks like in in the john carpenter film it's it's very run down and uh Shout out to all the Texas listeners, though. If you live in Houston, get the fuck out of there. Because your, your age is going to get cut down by at least 10 years by living in that fucking polluted city. Um, people were polite, though. And I had a very good barbecue out there. Shout out to the pit room uh, down in Houston. That place was delicious. Um, but yeah, no, the, the live show from Last Stand was awesome. It was fun. We had a lot of good food. And we did like a bunch of other stuff too. Like we, I personally went and kind of scouted around some like uh, retro game stores so I could try to like see if there's you? anything good. No, me, me. <laughs> and and then uh, we went to the aquarium and we went to the Houston Zoo and shit like that. So that was all fun. But we were only there for like two days, so we didn't 
get to do a whole lot, but we crammed as much as we could in in those two days. But it was fun. It was good. Is, but I'm glad to be back. Is it true what they say about Texas? Yes, uh, they're all racist there. Uh, well, that. But <laughs> the the other thing, um, there's only two types Joke. of people from Texas: steers and queers. Ah, uh, maybe. Yes. Did I mean, you, did you see horns on a lot of people? I did not see horns. Actually, I was disappointed, th- but so, I did see so a lot Houston's, of cowboy hats. Houston's the gay city, then. Yeah, I guess so. There are a bunch of uh, twinks, but I did see a lot of cowboy hats, and I was twinks? very excited <laughs> about that. Don't worry about it. Ian. Look, today, look up the gay porn. We are talking about a 2022 <laughs> film called Skinamarink. Skinamarinky Dinky Doo, directed by Kyle Edward Balhay, with a K as well. This film oh, had a style too. It, oh, same, shit. I didn't put that together. Right. Uh, the film had a budget uh, of $15,000 Canada money, which is like $2 our money. <laughs> and uh, it was actually filmed in Kyle's childhood home in Edmonton, Alberta, which is pretty. Oh. So this Edmonton, is all they got a hockey team. and fucking rights, bud. Connor McJesus down there, <clears throat> or up there, I guess. And it was only filmed in seven days, so it was a pretty quick turnaround. Um, the movie unfolds from the perspective of two young children, a four-year-old Kevin, played by Lucas Paul, and a six-year-old Kaylee, played by Daily Rose Tetralt. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Uh, the characters are loosely based on Kyle and his sister. Let's jump right in. I think that we should start with Brendan first, just because we kind of already know his uh, review based on letters or um, on Letterboxd. So, Brendan, go ahead and give us where you watched it. Would you add it to your collection and get you, your full thoughts? What do you think of the film? Uh, so, I first became aware of this film. Uh, Sean Parker over at Horror Obsessive and I were doing dual coverage of Fantasia Fest last year. Um, and this is one of the movies <clears throat> that he picked for coverage. Uh, so I was slightly aware of it mid-2022. But I really became aware of this movie uh, because it blew up on TikTok. It blew up on Twitter uh, about uh, mid-November. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, or I, I don't know if you know, but um, I read somewhere that this movie was supposed to come out in October of this year, but it got leaked online, and so they released it early. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so that that was actually... That was kind of one of the things that I wanted to bring up. And Ian, please don't take offense to what I'm about to say. But what do I have to do with it? <laughs> no, no, I'm going somewhere. So basically, what you're, happened? You're the Blackbeard of the podcast, right? So, jeez, um, like the Rainbow Six operator? No, like the pirate. Oh. Uh, so basically, what happened was, uh, I don't know if I want to drop. I'm going to drop the name. Yeah. Uh, so there was a highly respected before this publication called Slash Film, uh, and it was, it was either mid-November or early December where one of the editors, or one of the writer-editors of Slash Film, whose name I won't say, uh, decided it would be a fun idea to share his screener copy with uh, anyone who wanted it. And what what really pisses me off is when you get a screener copy, there's most most times the production companies will say this is for your eyes only. And even when they don't say that, it's obviously uh, explicitly implied that. Yeah. Sorry, I I don't mean to interrupt. I remember you going on a huge thing about this on Twitter. Was this the movie? Yes. Yeah. This this was the movie. Um, He brought it up on cast before. Yeah. And I remember hearing about it. Like, you know, if it's a movie from the 70s or 80s that has no physical release and there's no way to watch it, I can understand finding different avenues to go about to 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 view a film. But a film like this that will be getting released, either streaming or physical release, one of the writer-editors of Slash Film decided to share his screener copy with with anyone who wanted it. Um, and this really pissed me off, like like an extreme amount. So I ended up, uh, I reached out to Kyle, movie Kyle, not this Kyle, um, on Twitter. 
<laughs> um, on Twitter, and I was like, "Hey, hey, man, you know this is pretty fucked up. What's happening? Um, we got to cover this for Fantasia Fest, but seeing how there's a lot of publicity about your film right now, uh, could Horror Obsessive uh, get a screener copy?" And he he obliged um, very politely, um, and he also did say, "This is for your eyes only." Um, so I got to see it mid December and I have been obsessed ever since, uh, the day that it released on shutter, I think it was a few weeks ago. Um, I watched it immediately. So my viewing for this was on shutter. I will definitely buy a physical copy of it if, and when it, it comes out. And I'm sorry for that whole long diatribe, but that's basically no, my, no, no, that's all the information. That's, that's great. Yeah. Um, so that, that's my backstory with this film. Okay, so what do you think of the film? Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> and so, would, oh, yeah, you already said you'd add it to your collection. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of the analog slash liminal horror that's been really uh, creeping up, pun intended, um, the past few months. Uh, a lot of my TikTok feed is these liminal horror type uh, videos. I just think there's something. I'm getting them too. Yeah, kind of like, you know, the backroom stuff, um, just all that stuff. I find it very fascinating. So seeing what Kyle was able to do with a paranormal activity sized budget, um, although I guess 15,000 in paranormal activity times is probably maybe 100,000 now. Uh, but still, it's it's complete. It's, I, I just think this film is so impressive for what it is. Um, I do. I think that this is probably the most divisive film of 2022. People either absolutely love it, I think, or completely despise it, and that's that's totally fair. Um, not a lot happens in this movie, yeah. And I think you could tell by the letterboxed reviews because, like, the bars for mm-hmm. the reviews are all like even. Like, the ones are almost <laughs> as even as the fives, and yeah. then the yeah. twos are as even as the fours. Like, it's like straight across an even thing. So it's very divisive. Yeah, and I, I think that whether you like it or hate it, I think that a f- that this film is going to go down in horror history. Either people will say it's the worst movie or the greatest movie of, of 2022. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just glad that a film like this exists and that people are still trying new things. Cool. Ian. Ghost of Ian, E squared, two E's. You're a big fan of the um, back rooms. Back rooms. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm. Uh, it, it did remind me of the back rooms for sure. Um, so talk to me about this film. Where did you watch it? Uh, would you add it to your collection? And full thoughts. So I watched this on Shutter. Because I have a Shutter subscription, and anytime we do a movie that's on Shutter, I feel um, pretty happy because it doesn't make me feel guilty about like fucking Brendan's gonna give me shit about no. you know <laughs> maybe or may you know may or may not be like illegally watching movies. Um, but you know, it's I watch this legally. Hashtag so legal. Good. Hashtag she's legal, boys. Oh, um, that was probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would add this to my collection. I don't know. Um, and actually, it was a very interesting watch, I gotta say. Um, I haven't seen anything quite like it, so I was... Um, I didn't really know how to process what I was seeing on the screen and how it was going to like play out. I've seen kind of scenes like this i just didn't know it was going to be the entire movie and i can definitely see how like the average movie watcher is going to hate this movie and think it's a uh uh complete waste of their time and uh wish they got that time back and they'll they will never get that time back because they they wasted uh an hour and uh, quote, minutes of their life wasted quote unquote. yeah quote unquote wasted um but i can also see the other half of the people being like film lovers and being um into this movie for its creativity and its uh uniqueness and uh, i think that's where i fall under um i can't say it was an enjoyable watch um i did fall asleep twice trying to watch this um 
but I'm glad I did. And I think, um, yeah, it's just a very unique film. I watched this on shutter as well. And I also fell asleep the first time I watched the film, but that's only because like I also have jet lag and I just got back. It was my first day. I'm very tired. I have jet not. Lag. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> don't, time don't zone. Worry about it. Don't worry about same it. Time. Don't worry about it. It's not though. It's not the same. Not not the same time zone. Only an hour. It's like two. Um, but I was very tired. All right, <laughs> very tired. And uh, so I had to go back and uh, restart the film once. But um, this movie to me is less of a film and more of like an experience. It reminds me a lot of like a YouTube video, which is what his origins are. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like this kind of feels like a very early Lynch work, like almost like, like his very early Lynch stuff. Like, before like his short he, films? Yes, like his short films. And that's where I... I I kind of have a problem with this movie is the length of the movie. I think it's a very interesting film. A lot of disturbing images that I uh, connected with that I really vibed with um, that creeped me out. Like if I was watching it alone, um, I would have been scared. I think if I was watching it at night um, or at least just creeped out and it was very unsettling, especially uh, the transition of the voices changing and realizing that it's not, uh, or, that they're not alone but i think that this movie being as long as it is is kind of a disservice to the overall experience that i had with it i think it overstayed its welcome i think this would have been a great like even 60 minutes i think this would have been perfect at 60 minutes and um i enjoyed it though uh i enjoyed parts of it i understand why I understand the length. I, I agree. I, I also wish it was shorter. Why do you understand the length? Like, are you saying that you understand, like, why he made it as long as he did? Like, I, f I feel like he was trying to draw it out more so he can get the tension and the, the, um, the mindset of the, of the viewer. He can, like, really capture them in a, in a certain space. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm wrong on that, uh, Brendan. Uh <clears throat> I what I appreciate about the length of this film is it's to me it feels like he's trying to wear you down. He's trying to not only put you into the shoes of this this little boy who's experiencing a literal fucking nightmare. Um he's he's wearing you down, he's beating you over the head and he's making you basically feel empty i i think in in my in my review for horror obsessive i said that this kind of reminds me of a cursed tape kind of like the tape from the ring where this feels like it's something either you shouldn't be watching or something very bad is going to happen to you after you watch it or vhs like, or, like or, VHS. Yeah, or, on, yeah. or vhs mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and i think that's where like the strength or like i think it could have been a lot stronger if it was just shorter like an hour and 40 minutes i get the okay so let's let me back up do you guys think that this movie built tension or do you think that it overstayed its welcome by the length do you think the length justified the building of tension in this film i think it's like 20 to 30 minutes a little too long in my opinion and has a lot of shots that are very unnecessary and um i think it the tension was already there. Like it didn't, it didn't need it to be, to, to be any longer. Conversely, I wish it was about 20 minutes longer. And why is that? Because, uh, not, not, not to, uh, repeat myself, but I felt beaten by the end of this film. This film kind of reminded me of, uh, do you guys remember when you were kids and you would like, fall asleep on the couch after school you know it was like 2 3 p.m and then you would wake up and it's like 7 p.m and it's like dusk outside but you kind of feel like it might be seven in the morning and your parents just let you sleep okay, on the couch yes, the whole night yes like that that exact moment of waking up and like your heart beating out of your chest and you're like holy fuck i i need to get ready for school i i have to eat breakfast i have to you know yeah. i didn't do my homework like that exact fear that i felt in that in that moment of waking up at 7 p.m. is how I felt the entire length of this film. That describes my feeling perfectly. 
that that like I couldn't have said it any better. Like that is amazing. Yeah, no, I um when I was watching the film so prior to watching it, I did read that a lot of people had like so his let me back up. I'm getting I'm getting crazy with this. Um so he he got feedback from a lot of people that shared like the same kind of nightmares mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being alone in a house, uh losing your parents, being a child, um being in a familiar place that feels alien. Um, I've had these type of dreams before, and I think that the blue filter, not so much the VHS fuzziness, but the blue filter, I think really added to the tone of what I've actually experienced in like a nightmare before. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but I felt that feeling. And I got to say, Brennan, what you just said about the waking up thing, that that. I could not put it into words until you just said that. So that that's the perfect way to put it. Um, what did you guys feel? Let me back up again. I'm sorry. <laughs> so there is an article on vulture.com by Katie Reif. And uh, through the interview process with Ball, he he was asked about like the the way the, the 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 film was made and like the filters that it has and the look of the film. And he said that his goal was to create a film where as if Satan directed a movie and an AI was to edit it. <laughs> I love that. Now, based on that, do you think he succeeded in that vision? And what do you guys think of the overall style of the film and how it was filmed? To me, this almost seems like, uh, or it, I guess it reminds me of a sleep, sleep paralysis. Um, mm, yeah. In a way where everything's very fuzzy and you don't know if it's a dream or if you're awake and you're just seeing things. Um, and I, I do think that a lot of this film is very scary and I do like the story as well. Um, but the whole thing about the devil directing and the AI, I really understand the AI part. If someone wants to explain that to me. Um, I think I didn't read the entire article, but I think what he meant and I could be wrong, so I'm not speaking for him, but, um, I think what he meant was like the, like if an AI was to to edit a a film, they wouldn't know when to cut certain scenes. So stay on certain shots for too long, or Mm -hmm. someone go too quickly. Yeah. Um. Or they would have like replay some, or they would have focus on things that weren't supposed to be the focus, but were was supposed to be kind of like an interpretation or make you kind of like imagine what's trying to be depicted. I think that's what he meant by that, but I'm not positive. But um I I didn't know that Alan Iverson started editing movies, but I'm glad that he's doing something after basketball. Um that was terrible. That was so fucking stupid. Yo, shout out to Georgetown. You just gave me the perfect ammo. Thank you, Brennan. Georgetown basketball. Go Hoyas. Um so I have some questions about this story. Um, what is the skin rink? What is that? Is is the child Kevin? Is the child Kevin really home alone, or is he being haunted, or what? Because I saw some things in the beginning that made it seem like Kevin got almost taken to another world, and this is just. Well, I guess a nightmare, and this is what he's going to experience now. I think this is a perfect segue to a theory that Brendan came across earlier. Um, if you want to go into that, and then we can kind of jump into our own theories, if we have any. Yeah, so the, so part of this theory is kind of a running theory that I had initially had, and then part of it is, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever watched uh, Film Theory on YouTube. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. You, you've probably at least seen one of the videos. So uh, part of this is my theory. Part of this is uh, Matt Pat's theory that I'm choosing to believe because it, it kind of fits what I'm thinking. So mm-hmm. I I initially thought that um, that he was that the kid is in a coma because if you watch the very beginning, he's walking towards the steps. The camera's upright. And then the camera's now at the bottom of the steps and the camera's upside down, kind of implying that he fell down the stairs. Um, and there's there's a line about how 
Curtis, is that his name? What's the kid's name? Tyro? Kevin. Kevin. Uh, about, about how he's um, uh, sleepwalking. So my initial thoughts were that he was sleepwalking, fell down the stairs, hit his head, and was knocked into a coma. And then there's the line of put... Uh, so this is kind of where my theory bleeds into uh, Matt Pat's theory. Um, so there's a line about put the knife uh, put the knife in your eye. And that kind of... Uh, Matt Pat was theorizing that that Kevin actually has a brain tumor, and one of the side effects of having a brain tumor is sleepwalking. So the reasons why the doors and windows are disappearing from the house is because he's in a coma, trapped in his head with no escape. So that's kind of a natural escalation, no escape, the doors and windows disappear. The toilet disappears because he doesn't have to go to the bathroom anymore because he has a catheter in. Oh, um, yeah, he brings the buckets. Yeah, the, the reason why all of these old-time children's shows are these not only just because they're copyright free cartoons but because he's trapped in a hospital and his sister's sitting in the room with him and she has the cartoons on the television um to kind of help occupy her time while she's sitting in there with with her brother um and so then this kind of leads to the whole knife in the eye thing um so matt pat was saying that uh the least invasive way to have a frontal lobe brain tumor removed, which is what would cause the sleepwalking, um, is a surgery that goes in through your eye. So this all kind of leads up to the the final long shot that we get of the Legos that are, you know, the, the two and a half minute long shot that we get at the end. Um, it says 572 days. That's how long he was in a coma until it was finally decided to pull the plug on him. Um, and then the, the film ends with his mother saying, uh, you can go to sleep now or something like that. And there's a heavy implication that his mother committed suicide. Um, so his mother is finally on the other side with him. Now that they've pulled the plug after the 572 days, it's his mother comforting him saying, you can go to sleep now. And the movie literally ends at that moment. What um, what cl- uh, clues or hints that the mother committed suicide though in that theory? Like, is there anything that would, or um, or is it just the mother in the hospital room like trying to comfort the child before he dies? Well, so because uh, it does. So the end does kind of look like a face is like standing mm-hmm. over him. So to that theory, which I love that imagery, it's very Silent Hillish. It looks creepy as fuck, but uh, that shot that could just be if we're going off this theory could just be her standing over him in the hospital bed right like why it why would she be it could be um but uh the way that i kind of choose to believe it is so the father disappears fairly early into it and i think think that that's because he just um he just can't you know take it anymore and then uh, the little girl says uh, i'm obviously paraphrasing but mommy won't stop crying um, and then the mom just completely disappears. So I think that um, the reason we get that disembodied face at the end is the mother committing suicide because she knows that there's no out for for the kids. So when it's time to pull the plug, she kills herself so that she can be um, so that she can be basically crossing over with her son at the same time. Gotcha. Ian, I know it's going to be kind of hard maybe because we just went through that theory, but do you have a thought of your or a theory of your own or did you interpret the film in any specific way or did you take it at face value? Yeah, I actually thought um, he was, I mean, it could have been two things for me. Um, I thought this was like, um, I thought this was purgatory, like something in between heaven and hell. The the kid died, and now he has to maybe go through through some trials, or um, maybe uh, deter the temptations from the devil. That's the obvious character that's uh, that's like following him and making him do these things. Or um, I, because I saw um, like there was a window, and there was a shot of a window in the beginning, and the window disappears, and then the next shot is a door or a, a wall, and then a door appears. So I'm not sure if that was like the exit of reality and then the enter of this voice or if it was something else. 
There's a lot of theories online. Um, a lot of really um, convincing theories, too, about child abuse and things like that as well. Um, as of right now, I like to take it at face value and almost like, because I, I like to think of it as a horror movie where like this demon takes over this child's home mm-hmm. and takes away his exits and starts to s- systematically take down the family while leaving him alone. And then basically closing this family off to nothing and like trapping them forever. That is like very terrifying to me. Um, so I took it more as face value, but I think the bright side of this movie, as we can all probably agree is that there's many different ways that you can kind of take this film and interpret it. And I think that's probably its strongest, its biggest pro is that um, it could really mean a lot of different things on the flip side without getting a definitive answer from the director, it almost kind of feels like a cop-out in a way because I wish there was more discussion with what he wanted to tell us. Like, I wish there was more of a message rather than us having to guess. And there's certain times where I like to kind of add my own story to it and things like that. But this is one of those scenarios where I wish it had more of a... I wish he was trying to tell us something. And I don't know if he was. Maybe he was and we just haven't gotten that answer yet. But is there any specific imagery that stuck out to you the most um, through the film that spooked you, that you enjoyed, or that just made you think of personal memories? I can start, I guess. Um, The light of the TV being in the room, there was a lot of times when I was a child and uh, I would stay up past my bedtime and I would be in the living room watching TV, all the lights off, and I would be afraid to turn the TV off to go to my room because it was pretty far away. So, and I, I just remember it being pitch dark and the only light in the room was the TV. And it made me think of that because it was like almost like a one for one of my memory. And uh, it made me like scared of the dark, Those that specific moment. And I always used to think of like hearing stuff in the kitchen and doing all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I don't know, it just, it made me feel feelings of being young again in a weird way that i like repressed and forgot about and i thought that was kind of cool also just to go back to the imagery of the face at the end of the movie very silent hillish to me and i really liked it and i wish i kind of wish they would have done something with it at the end but then in a way I, it it kind of ended in a very subtle but satisfactory way to me anyway i'm going on and on ian do you have any imagery or any scenes that you want to talk about isn't it crazy how like Noises happen in the kitchen all day long, but like when you're a kid <laughs> and you're home alone, it's and always the kitchen, right? Yeah, it's always the kitchen. Yeah, like so, so many things happen in the kitchen for no reason. I mean, like, there's a fridge there that that obviously is going to go off, but like, um, I actually had it. It reminded me of much. This whole movie reminded me of my childhood, to be honest. Um, same, same. I um, any shot of like. This, I mean, they're like the whole movie was shot at the ceiling and the either the ceiling or the floors. So there was no like eye level shots, um, and it reminded me of having sleep paralysis or um, like waking up and like getting spooked um, by something. Um, but uh, I would usually be like waking up, and that's all I would see was the ceiling or a corner of the wall or something like that. So. Those shots were very nostalgic for me, unfortunately, and it 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 really hit this this movie hit just um yeah that nostalgic feel. Brendan, what about you? Uh, so kind of like that feeling that I brought up a little earlier, or Kyle or and Ian, actually, what you guys both just brought up. Uh, this movie really does a good job of hitting that the word the word that I saw over and over again describing this was kinder trauma, which. I wasn't familiar with that word, honestly, before this, so I'm not trying to sound like smart or anything, but um, I think visually what I appreciate about this film the most is the overall extreme film grain that's on top of it. That's com- So you have a long shot of a, of a completely pitch black hallway with all this film grain, and you think you see something back there. But it might just be how the film grain is artifacting with 
the image and you don't really know if you are seeing anything, if it's just the film grain, if it's this like fucking hallucinogenic state that the film is putting you in, in to me, I feel like there are so many filmmakers that try to do something similar to that and fail. And I think that this film really handles that there's something in the hallway, maybe idea. Um, and I, I think that those long hallway, long dark hallway shots are what I appreciate the most. And there, there really are times where I can't tell if I'm picturing something there mm -hmm. or if the director did put something so subtly mm -hmm. that it's there. And I just, it's, it's very clever. It's very clever. Very unique film. Very unique. Do you guys have anything else you want to go over? Um, uh, oh, only the fact that uh, that that David Lynch gave this film his blessing, um, and he even sent Kyle a um, a care package oh, as well, cool. which I thought was I thought that was really cool. What would you say to somebody that isn't into horror movies that wants to watch the film? How would you set this up for them? How would you not convince them to watch it, but how would you Distract prepare them? them? How would you prepare? someone that's not into horror but is interested in the movie that's a good question i would i would go into it saying um exactly what i told you to uh i think that the only way to to physically watch this movie and that's the only i i watched it on a tv three times and on my laptop twice i think the way to watch this film is midnight 1 a.m pitch black room, headphones on, volume turned all the way up on your laptop. That, that, that's the only thing I would tell them. I am going to watch this again the way you said it. Maybe not on my um, laptop. Or on, on a I'm, computer. I'm going to be using headphones. <laughs> I'm going to be using headphones next time because I think this, after watching this film, I think there might even be some subtle sounds that you will not hear unless you're wearing headphones. 100% agree. Yeah. There's some dialogue or some subtitles that I saw where I didn't hear anything. Is that, did you guys experience that or was there like also voices? No, there were certain scenes where it's almost sounded like audio would cut out. Yeah. But that's those scenes is what I'm talking about where I think he might've left some Damn red crumbs. Mm. Like he, he might've left some, breadcrumbs in for the people that watch it a specific way. So I actually agree with Brendan on this one. I think there might be a definitive way to watch this movie, honestly. And I think headphones is maybe not on a monitor or a computer, but I think that with headphones is definitely is definitely the way to go. I think sure. if you're a kid, like this is a perfect oh, I couldn't film. imagine showing like, this to a kid. Like back in the day, or back I in my day, um, we had these type of videos on YouTube and it's just a feature length film version of, of those type of videos. So I think like back, like having one of these uh, when I was in middle school would have been amazing. Would have been the scariest film I've ever seen. Yeah. On the flip side, I feel like that it's main strength is that it tickles our nostalgia. So if a kid doesn't have a lot of experiences and doesn't have nostalgia to like pull from, will they connect with it the same way? Right? Like, I feel like the main reason why we all kind of vibe with it, I think the the way that we all relate with each other is the fact that it reminded us of our childhood. So I don't know. I think it might hit different for a kid that doesn't have those nostalgia strings to pull on. Do you, do you think it would hit differently in a positive way or a negative way? I just think a different way. I think it's going to be a lot more... I mean... When you're a kid, yeah, yeah, when you're a kid, you're afraid of the dark. And so that's really yeah. what it's going to be about. It's going to be your fear of the dark. And if you're watching it in the dark, you're going to be terrified just at the fact that you're watching scary images in the dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rather than it meaning or reminding you of something different. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Let's get into our final thoughts and review of Skinamarink. Skinamax, baby. 2022. Ian, we're going to start with you. Give us your start thoughts and rating. Uh, so, before this conversation, you know what? This 
film is very unique and um I think it appeals to a certain audience and certain groups. It's definitely not for everyone. Um, I would I would never suggest this to to someone who isn't like heavily into films or maybe even like art house films. Um, so for that, and for you know what, for me, like falling asleep twice, I do really like this film i i think if you can get through it and if you can ruminate on this film then it's gonna oh. hit it's really gonna hit so i'm gonna give it a three and a half and yeah i think i'm gonna give it a heart yeah i think i'm gonna go yeah 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 so we know it's gonna hurt for sure three and a half and a heart from ian I'm going to go next because we know Brennan's thoughts. This movie is more of an experience than a film, and it's going to make you feel something, whether it be positive or negative. But if it does hit in a specific way, I think it's a, re- a rewarding experience. Um, I do think. I want to say the film is too long, but I think after having this discussion, the length justifies it, or the film justifies its length. I just feel like, for me, it was it was a draining experience, but I think that was intentional. Um, I'm going to give this film a three and a half and a heart as well. Triple H, baby. Brendan, talk to me. Um, well, obviously, you all know that I I love this film. Uh, I think what I one of the things that I appreciate about it is how it made my eyes feel fuzzy. It made my eyes feel like there were ants crawling all over it. Um, I I felt physically uncomfortable watching this movie, which is not something that I can say about a lot of films. I mean, it kind of had the Guitar Hero effect on me where you know how you play like Guitar Hero for three hours and then you look at something and it looks like it's like elongating and shit because, okay, you don't know that. Okay, that's fine. Um, I do know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. Uh, This had the Guitar Hero effect on me where after I watched it, I tried to go outside and everything just looked fuzzy and grainy to me Um, and I've never had an experience like that. Um, But Kyle, you are correct. This is an experience more than a movie. Uh, and it's one of the most original things I think I've seen in a long time. So uh, I'm going to stick with the initial rating that I gave it, which is a five and a heart. Which leaves it as a four with a heart for the official rating of the Ruminations of Red Room score. Wow. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. I did not think that this was going to go this well. That's why I threw down the gift that said, calm down, everybody relax. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, before we get into America's and soon to be the world's favorite game, we're going to take a quick commercial break with an ad from the Ruminations Radio Network. We'll be right back. Oh, God, it hurts. What's wrong, buddy? Nothing. That's the name of our podcast. Do you think anyone will know it's a reference to what some random SWAT team member said in that one scene in Terminator 2 after getting nailed in the back with the gas canister? Probably not, but they will get a regular dose of two lifelong gamer buddies on either side of the Pacific Ocean, delivering their view of video games with a retro emphasis every other week. That's cool. Welcome back to Ruminations of Red Room, the horror podcast on the Ruminations Radio Network please go check out ruminationsradionetwork.com to check out the other podcasts that are under the umbrella of the network. There's a lot of good stuff, a lot of comedy, a lot of sci-fi, a lot, a lot of, of cinephiles, a lot of brevity, a lot of comedy. There's something for everyone. Go check it out. Ruminationsradionetwork.com. But now it's time for your favorite game. What's in the box? The game where we 
visit the old letterbox.com and we read off the description of films. My contestants have to guess the average score of said film on Letterboxd and also the decade the film was made. They get a point for each if they are correct. Gentlemen, are you ready? See what I no. ah. <laughs> That's cringe. <laughs> <laughs> Number one in every. Oh, by the way, in Brendan fashion, there is a theme. So if you guess the theme, yeah, the first time I've done a theme, guys, <laughs> is it. All right, what's in the box? One. In every neighborhood, there is one house that adults whisper about and children cross the street to avoid. When young Poindexter, a.k.a. Fool Williams, breaks into the creepy, immense old home of his family's greedy and uncaring landlords, he uncovers a disturbing scenario underneath the stairs. Okay. 3.0. Brendan gets the points. Okay. It is 3.4. Hmm. Guess the decade. Sorry, I have to stretch this out. 80s. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I know what it is. It's this sounds 80s. like the most 80s thing ever to exist. You both are incorrect. It is the 1991 film, The People Under the Stairs. Oh, I thought that was an 80s movie. Wes Craven. I, Wes Craven. Yeah, I knew the movie. I just didn't know the rating or year. Which my mom wants us to cover that. I don't know if she told you. We will. I've never heard anything. Anything for Brendan. (laughs) I've never heard anything. (laughs) I just can't hear. Number two. The ultimate experience in inner terror. A man tries to uncover an unconventional psychologist therapy's techniques on his institutionalized wife, while a series of brutal attacks committed by a brood of mutant children co- coincides with the husband's investigation. Is this Gothica? 2.6. It's a great guess. Man. Funny story about Gothica. Um, No, let's hear it. Well, I took way too many hits from my brand spanking new wax pen that had like 500 milligrams. And uh, I don't do wax pens. I don't smoke at all. So uh, I took a hit. I was like, hey, I'm just going to watch Gothica. I've never seen the movie. Sounds Why like I just time. put a Halle Berry movie on? Sounds like a good time. Um, so I take a hit, feeling nothing for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes go by. Mm. I'm like, damn, am I? <laughs> I'm a pro. I need another hit. So I just <laughs> snacked another one. 15 more minutes go by. I'm like feeling a little, feeling a little fuzzy. And then I go back for another hit. Um, and that's when I turn into a vegetable. And my friend came and he called me. 29 times on his way to my apartment and uh he let himself in he i was passed out i was completely asleep and uh, i was like yo bro put on put on something funny and he put on this dude this uh like korean dude who was just ranking cheese it flavors um and like a tier list <laughs> um so a little unorthodox but uh yeah great stuff so you didn't I'm actually watch go, the movie i'm gonna go 2.8 you both are incorrect. It is at 3.6. Guess the decade. Can I get the last sentence again, please? While a series of brutal attacks committed by a brood of mutant children coincides with the husband's investigation. A brood. I don't so even know if this is a, Gothica. This is a br- it's definitely not. <laughs> Gothica in the threes? No way. Um, Guess the decade. A brood of children? Oh, is this Children of the Damned? Guess I think the... that's a Wes Craven film. I'm going to go <laughs> no, 90s. Children of the Damned isn't about an institution. No. Oh. I'm going to go yeah. 90s. Brennan? Uh, I said 90s, sorry. You both are incorrect. 80s. 
It is the 1979 film The Brew, directed by David Cronenberg. Oh, I've seen this one. Wow. It's got Oliver Reed in it. Fantastic actor. Love him. Number three. You said the name of the movie in the... I did. On dark, stormy nights, the suck of blood comes. A gothic tale of a girl scared to suck her thumb, lest the monstrous suck of blood should come. Can I get the genre? Horror. Can I get the country of origin? No. Oh. Man, this sounds like a chupacabra film. Not gonna lie. I'm gonna go 2.5. A funny story about chupacabras. <laughs> we don't want to hear it. <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna... What did you say? You said 2. Point... Don't worry about what I said. No. Okay, well, I was gonna say, I'm gonna go in the opposite direction. I'm going to say 3.2. Brendan gets a point. It is at 3.4. Guess the decade. Sounds like a terrible movie. There's no way. 3.4 on Letterboxd. Early 2000s. Uh, so, Ots is what you're saying? You know what I'm saying. Okay. I'm going to say, fuck, uh, 2010s. Brandon with the second point. It is 2010s. It is the 2012 film Suck a Blood, directed by Ben <laughs> Tillett, or Tiet and Jake Hendricks. I'm sorry if I butchered those names. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> I muted my mic, right? <laughs> Final yes. question. Okay. Are you ready? You can mm -hmm. still tie it, and actually, you could still pin it if you guess the theme. All right, so let me go first, Brennan. Number four. Okay. What? what you go first. What is a ghost? Spain, 1939. In the last days of the Spanish Civil War, the young Carlos arrives at the Santa Luca Orphanage, Lucia Orphanage, where he will make friends and enemies as he follows the quiet footsteps of a mysterious presence eager for revenge. What's the dude's name again? Carlos Venezuela? Carlos. <laughs> Just Carlos. Just Carlos. Gotcha. Uh, he arrives at an orphanage where he makes friends and enemies as he follows the quiet footsteps of a mysterious presence eager for revenge. Genre? Horror. Fantasy. Three points. Horror fantasy thriller. Do you, do you want me to go first? I want to go first. Okay. I'm going to go three points. Six. I'm going to go 3.1. Ian gets the point. It is at 3.8. Damn, I thought it was that high. I just didn't want to commit. Guess Damn. the decade. <laughs> I know it. Do you know it? Mm -hmm. I can uh, give it a year, too. I'll say the fucking new flex. That's some big dick energy right there. Jesus. I own the movie. I'll I haven't seen it though. I'll say the nineties, I guess. Okay. If I get the exact year, do I get two points? Yes. No. I mean, it's ten years. Like <laughs> it's a one in ten chance, right? No. Okay. Two thousands. You are correct. You get the second point. If you can guess the theme. You will tie it up today. All involving ghost children or just children, haunted children, children, horror, children, horror. That, that's I was going to say children related horror as well. So the theme is all of these films. The main star of the film is a child. It stars children. So I'm going to give you guys both the point for that. But. Brendan takes this round, unfortunately for Ian. So that puts year to date. Kyle, one. Brendan, three. Ian, three. It is now tied. How do you guys feel? I hate it. This has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum, the skinamarinkadoo of the Ruminations Radio Network. 
If you like what we're doing here, follow us on Twitter at of Red Room. That's OF Red Room. Subscribe, like our casts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your fix. We're on everything. Check out ruminationsradionetwork.com for other casts. You're sure to find something you like there. I've been your host, Kyle, with a K. And today we have joining me, Ian, with two E's. Mike, I'm going to say this one's a pass. I'm going to say this one's a pass, buddy. I don't think you'll like this one. But, nothing else. That's it. And Mr. Fantastic himself, Brendan Jesus. Hail Skinner. Stay spooky, folks. Thank you.